a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. President Biden and most congressional Democrats say they want to raise taxes on the wealthy to pay for a huge social spending bill that uh, will soon be. beyond framework and getting to a CBO score. But will the wealthy end up getting a tax break in this bill? Here to help us break it all down, Eric Baim is a reporter for Reason Magazine, and he actually has a piece out called The Tax Break for the Rich Could End Up Being the Largest Part of the Build Back Better Plan. Eric, thanks for joining us today. Hey, glad to be here as always. Thanks. All right. So help us help us through the uh, the mental gymnastics and the mathematics of uh, all these calls to have the rich pay their fair share, tax the wealthy to pay for a lot of this spending may end up as a tremendous tax break for the wealthy. Yeah, that's right. This all has to do with uh, something known as the uh, salt cap and uh, or the, the salt cap, uh, the, the salt, uh, sorry, deduction and the cap on that deduction. That, that unfortunately for your listeners has nothing at all to do with living close to like a large salt lake, uh, which you might be you know interested in. But uh, in this case, it has to do it's the state and local tax deduction. You're allowed to, under current uh, law, deduct up to $10,000 in state and local tax payments. From your federal tax, uh, from your from your federal tax liability, uh, that is a cap. That ten thousand dollar cap was imposed as part of the twenty seventeen tax reforms that were passed by the Republicans in the Trump administration, uh, and uh, Democrats are now proposing to uh, remove that cap as part of the uh, the Build Back Better plan. Uh, that uh, because the cap, you know, is already at ten thousand dollars. That means the only people who are going to benefit from repealing that cap are people who owe larger more than you know ten thousand dollars in state and local taxes they will get to deduct that larger amount off of their federal taxes so the benefits here overwhelmingly flow to uh people in the in the really upper echelon of american society and people who happen to live in states that already have high state and local taxes so what we're talking about here are uh not surprisingly a lot of people who live in blue states that's why democrats are interested in doing this Uh, if you make a lot of money and you live in california or new york this is a policy. This is a change that potentially, you know, changes your tax liability quite dramatically. Uh, it doesn't really do anything for anybody else. Yeah, and that's. I think that's the important point to to get to as we look at this. So we're looking at state and local taxes again, salt state and local taxes uh, that you can deduct those as you're filing your federal uh, taxes. You can deduct what you paid in state and local. Uh, obviously, those who make a lot more are, are paying more in state and local taxes, and there has heretofore been this cap as part of the 2017 uh, package of tax cuts. Uh, 
that that would be one way to help fund all of that. Uh, but as you said, this is a uh, it's really a bit of a head scratcher uh, and curious if you've heard rumblings uh, your way, Eric, in terms of uh, the progressive wing of the party uh, of the Democrats saying, wait a minute, you know, we keep talking about taxing the rich. This is uh, yeah. this is giving them uh, the ultimate in tax breaks. Yeah, it's a political dilemma for Democrats, for sure. Uh, and to be fair here, there are also Republicans. There's a there's a little coalition uh, within the House that has been pushing really ever since that cap was implemented in 2017 to get it repealed or to get it lifted, at least. And there are some Republicans that are part of that coalition, too. It is bipartisan, but it's primarily Democrats. And, and again, unsurprisingly, it's Democrats from states like New Jersey, and New York and California that uh, primarily uh, are, are pushing for this policy. Um, and this is a thing that, as I said, is, is really going to benefit only the really the wealthiest of Americans. The Tax Policy Center crunched the numbers on this, and they found that only nine percent of households will see any benefit at all from mm. repealing the salt cap, and that the wealthiest one percent of, of American households get fifty six percent of the benefits. Uh, so, you know, yeah, to your point, this really cuts against the message politically. It's a, it's a dilemma for Democrats because it really does cut against their uh, tax the rich. Uh, message and when you you know if if this does end up in the final version of the bill, all these things are still in flux. We don't know what the final version of this this package may end up looking like, uh, but it would actually be a net tax cut at least next year for the wealthiest five percent of Americans because uh, in addition to getting this uh, cap lifted, it's also going to be a retroactive change to tax policy. So next year, uh, wealthy households will get. Uh, not just one year's worth of tax relief here, but a, but a few years worth for what they've oh, wow. paid the last couple of years as well. Wow, I didn't realize it was retroactive as well. Yeah. That's fascinating, and I'm glad you pointed out again that, that could change. All <laughs> yes. these things could change. We don't know what that'll look like That's in right. the final uh, it, version. Right. Yeah, and they and there have been some versions that suspend the cap for a year or you know sure. raise it to to seventy thousand or whatever. Uh, so lots of variation still playing out there. And I'm glad you pointed out that this is uh, we're equal opportunity offenders on this show. So this is always a a coalition or a co- Collusion, as we often call it, uh, between Republicans and Democrats, whenever there's big spending dollars uh, or things that are going to add to deficit spending or to the national debt, it's uh, it's usually collusion, uh, not compromise. That's the that's the problem there. And uh, Erica, as you look at that and look at how this uh, moves forward, this this really was kind of under the radar in terms of the framework uh, for this Build Back Better agenda until just the last little bit. Uh, was this one of those where they were hoping maybe nobody notices and then uh, kind of comes out on the other side? Yeah, I can assume that might have been what was going on here when uh, when the president came out. Uh, this was, what, two weeks ago on that Friday, right before he left uh, to go to Europe. And he had a press he had a, a press conference and he said, look, we've you know, we, we think we have a compromise agreement here uh, and it was going to cut down what had previously been a three and a half trillion dollar uh, build Back Better plan down to about a $1.9 trillion, although there's a bunch of gimmicks in there, and it's actually worth a lot more than that. But let's call it a $1.9 trillion plan. Uh, the SALT cap repeal was not included in that framework that Biden outlined uh, on that on that Friday. But almost immediately, there were reports of uh, Democratic leaders in the House telling their rank-and-file members, no, don't worry, that's going to be in there. We're going to include it. You're going to get it. Uh, and it and it didn't take very long until uh, until it was confirmed by uh, reporters that that was going to be part of the final package, uh, or that it looks like at this point it could be part of the final package. So uh, yeah, there's obviously a lot of uh, back and forth that continues to go on between the progressives and the moderates in the House. This is one of those issues that I think is 
interesting because this doesn't really break down over over party lines, right? This really has more to do with uh, with who do you represent, where are you from, what's your constituency like. Uh, if you represent a wealthy suburb of New York City, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you know your constituents want oh this salt cap to be repealed, and so you're going to be in favor of that. Uh, so it does kind of cut it across some of the uh, normal political divide. Yeah, and that really does raise uh, some interesting questions in terms of of what this actually does. As you mentioned, it does go across the the political divide. Uh, this also protects some of those again, some of those blue states where they do have really high state and local uh, taxes. And in some ways, you know, this is this is both the uh, not watching out for the little guy. It's a little bit of the uh, it's not left or right. It's the wealthy and the well-connected uh, that seem to be driving. But this also protects some some bad state programs and some some bad state politicians as well. Yeah, I think that's something that gets uh, lost in this debate sometimes, too, is the way that this acts as a subsidy really for states that have high taxes. Um, and, and I don't think it's appropriate for federal policy to do that. That's really the reason why I am opposed to yeah. personally to re- repealing the salt cap. Uh, tax breaks are, are frequently good, and, and the wealthy already pay it, like an overwhelming share of the federal tax burden. So uh, in some ways, this maybe makes sense. The problem with the salt uh, cap repeal is that you're, you're effectively subsidizing states that have high taxes because you're not forcing those policymakers in the state to feel the political consequences of having uh, high taxes, of having, you know, a lot of putting that burden on their residents because their residents can then deduct that those taxpayers in New York or in California can deduct those state payments from their federal taxes so they don't feel the full brunt uh, of, of what they're paying. And they're, you know, they're going to vote differently. And they're, the people that they elect are going to vote differently because of those kind of misaligned incentives. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think that's a role for the federal government to play. It's not a role for federal tax policy to play to subsidize decisions that are made at the state level. Uh, if you owe tax to your state, you should pay it. If you owe tax to the federal government, you should pay it. And if you don't like those things, then you should for politicians at the state and federal level who will change those respective tax policies. Yeah, that, that sounds like accountability to me. That's a, a radical sure. concept these days. <laughs> uh, but that is great insight, and that is so important that the federal government should not be uh, subsidizing uh, high taxes or poor performance in state and local. It's, the reason we yeah. have state and local is because that's the easiest place to have accountability uh, in terms of outcome. Eric Bain, great reporting, great piece, uh, a lot to think about uh, as we look at how this plays out. Uh, we'll have you back as we move through this conversation and the battles in Washington to see where this lands. Does it really just impact the wealthy? Uh, is this a way to have a different conversation about spending both at the state and the local level? Uh, a chance for accountability there for sure. Eric, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. All right, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. Uh, of course, a lot of chatter going on on Utah's Capitol Hill about redistricting. Very hot conversation. I have some questions. Join me to see if we can figure them out when we come back. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.